Hi, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is uh, season one, episode two of The Legal Zone, brought to you by the Campbell Law Group. I'm Regina Campbell, and today we're going to talk to you about getting a divorce. Uh, some of you out there might be going through a divorce or have been through a divorce, so you might be able to relate to some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. But I think it's really important to maybe understand what to expect from a divorce. Um, and even if you have been divorced, actually, if you're going through a second divorce, you'll be surprised, but sometimes it could be very different than the first. So there's still maybe some additional tips that might be helpful for you. So getting a divorce, it's, it is one of the major life-altering um, things that we might do in one of our lives. You know, it's up there with the stressful events, as just as like a death or a move. But it is, doesn't mean that it has to be uh, life-ending or life-changing to the extent that, um, you know, everything comes to an end or it's difficult, you know, it's, you know, it's uncertainty and it just changes your life. You still continue to be you. You still continue to have your children together if you do have them together. We're going to go on in life and it's important for you to know what to expect in this process uh, so that you can actually hopefully come out of it um, in good shape and not just from a legal point of view, but from a personal point of view. So as someone that has been through a divorce, and actually a very difficult divorce, um, I, I can relate also from a personal level, not just as an attorney. But today we're going to come to you a little bit more and explain a little bit more as an attorney what to expect. So whether or not it's possible you might have been served uh, with papers, and in which case um, you, your partner, you know, whether it's your husband or your wife, is actually already gone through the process of starting what they call a petition, a petition for dissolution. So um, might be a surprise, may not be a surprise, might have been something you expected. Sometimes in this process, in the petition, you're going to notice that it's going to indicate what kind of relief that they're looking for. That may even be a surprise. But we'll talk a little bit more about it doesn't always mean what it seems to, what it seems to be saying in the petition and why sometimes you do need to plead everything that is required um, and to, in order to preserve your rights. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the your spouse is going to be entitled to all of these uh, claims or allegations, and potentially they might have just put some of the information in there as needed from a legal sufficiency basis. Um, this sometimes catches people by surprise when they may have talked to their spouse before the petition, and then they see the petition and they say, wow, what is all this stuff in here? You know, For instance, we talked about no alimony between each other, and here the petition requests alimony. So sometimes that's actually a function of just the legal sufficiency or the necessity potentially of an attorney also to preserve those rights for you in the event you guys do not reach an agreement. So it's not always reason to be very concerned. But let's take a step back for a moment. Let's say you do not expect or you were not aware that your partner was going to file for divorce. So in those circumstances, the shock alone and the sort of um, disbelief can take over quite significantly and be very emotional and understandably so. Um, this is a time when actually to take a step back and not react immediately, whether you know, talking to the other spouse or going off um, in a disarray, it's actually time to stop and think about how you're going to react and really what is going on. Okay. It is also a time to consult with an attorney. Most of the time you only have about 20 days in most states in Florida, for instance, to actually file some kind of motion for extension or an answer in order to preserve your rights under the petition. And at this time, you also want to consider whether you want to file counterclaims, which might be, you know, uh, preserving your rights to alimony, child support or certain equal distributions also. That might be different than what your partner had actually or your spouse had actually requested. So 
taking a step back, that's important. There's a time sensitivity issue here if you are served. You want to make sure that you're complying with the summons and the required time period in which to respond. That's on a legal basis. Uh, from a personal, as I indicated, basis, basically, just want to take a moment and breathe. I know it might be sort of um, leave you without breath, especially if you're not expecting it. But stop and think about really what this may mean. And also you want to consider getting potentially psychological help, support from your family. Although I'm going to caution you from trying to compare your case or your potential life to some other divorce or some other friend's case and or listening to stories about um, how so-and-so's Susie's uh, husband did this and left Susie on the street or, you know, Susie left the husband on the street and got everything. Uh, I would caution you against listening to those stories as in the legal world, there's never, there's very rarely anything apples to apples, so to speak, and everyone's life and situation is very distinct. So that's step one. Uh, that's the, the petition stage. That's sort of a legal first step. Now, there are times in which people might actually plan for divorce, actually might discuss it and do it on a neutral basis, uh, potentially file joint petitions or already have an idea how they want to split their assets or figure out the rights between each other. And in which case that actually might make this process a little bit easier and the petition just becomes sort of the vehicle in, in which you actually accomplish the divorce. But the majority of the conversation would happen beforehand. Um, well, a little bit more about that when I, we're going to talk a little bit about coming to an agreement, you know, which is a little bit further along in the process. One of the other things you also want to take into consideration when you're thinking about divorce or, there, or there's been a divorce filed is any administrative orders or rules. Most states require sort of the maintenance of a status quo. You want to be careful that you don't have one of the parties starting to empty out a bank account or canceling health insurances, life insurances, homeowners insurance, you know, stopping to pay the mortgage. These are all signs that you're actually going to have to act quickly, whether you are the petitioner or the respondent. Uh, courts do not usually have the ability to act very quickly when someone needs a temporary support or relief. So from this point, uh, even from the moment you file even a motion for support or relief, it could take at least three, four, five months for a hearing to actually occur on the issue. So part of it is you want to consider plan B also in the event that your spouse does something like that. Hopefully they do not. They're supposed to maintain the status quo. But unfortunately, particularly in contentious divorces, I find that is a source to, um, how can we say, gain um, bargaining power is by trying to starve out the other party, particularly if the other party doesn't have access to some of the marital funds to be able to hire an attorney. It may be the less sophisticated party as far as in terms of money or knowing what the money is, basically. So these are kind of telltale signs you want to keep an eye out, you know, the beginning of a divorce or divorce proceedings. This can actually occur throughout the divorce proceeding. It might have started off nice, and then it gets ugly when the other person doesn't get its way. In most cases, I find that reasonable people can reach a solution and kind of, uh, you know, find a balance in between not to sort of destroy everything that you may have guys have created and particularly disrupt the children if there are children, but a little bit more about how to deal with those type of difficult spouses uh, or situations a little bit later on in the podcast. So um, usually in most states and in Florida specifically, they're going to require you to fill out financial affidavits which is basically indicating what your financial circumstances and income is under penalties of perjury and of course required to produce the minimum certificate you know it's a, called a certificate of mandatory disclosures which is the minimum amount of documents that must be exchanged between the parties so that's usually the next step in addition to the fact that the court is going to look into resolving any temporary issues 
if someone's moving out of the house, you may want to come up with temporary sort of child support. I mean, not just child support, but time sharing. In Florida, we have time sharing versus custody uh, sort of arrangement so that we can try to have the least amount of disruption possible for the family unit, uh, particularly with children that are not, have no control over this and are sort of in the middle. And it's something to be very cognizant of and um, try to be as reasonable as you guys can and balance and of course never involve the children in these issues or discussions about divorces or anything else going on. Try to minimize their involvement at all in any of this. So that's something else we'll also talk about shortly. But if you're having any of these temporary issues, they do need to be mentioned early on in the case. You do not want to let the case go on um, much further without getting some of those temporary issues resolved. In cases where the parties stay together and there's amicableness, so to speak, uh, I guess I'll make a word there, uh, you know, you can go ahead and uh, a lot of times things will continue the same. Each party will sort of do their parental roles and duties as they always did. And um, you will go through the process, basically, the financials and kind of come to some kind of dis you know, arrangement or you go to trial, but it will be handled on a more amicable basis. Um, something else to keep in mind, temporary issues also include attorney fees. You want to make sure that you have the right to attorney fees and to access to money so that you can't afford your own attorneys enough to protect your interest. In Florida, each party is entitled to sort of similar type of attorneys as the other party may have. Sometimes you see one attorney has $100,000 to spend and the other party might have gone through four attorneys trying to get someone to take the case basically because uh, they can't afford to pay a retainer or pay for attorney fees until the court awards them. So in most often, some of the ur urgent situations you actually may find yourself in might actually be for a motion for attorney fees that you want to consider. Okay. Um, next, we kind of go on to sort of the discovery stage, so to speak, of what to expect in a divorce. And in a divorce, uh, basically discovery is just sort of investigations of what each party has. It might be beyond the minimals, just to find out what each, what there might be, if there has been any extramarital affairs, is there any portion of the marital assets to be recovered, is there any non-marital assets that potentially have a marital component to it that need to be divided, or is it to be left separate? Uh, marital assets determine valuations, uh, you know, contributions to them throughout the marriage, especially if they're mixed assets, which is marital and non-marital, and, ba and basically just figure out how you're going to handle sort of distributions, which might include a mortgage that you both might be on, and what do we do now? If we decide to sell the house or if one of the parties keeps the house, what do we do, basically? But one party's name is still in the mortgage and can affect that party's ability to go get another house. So these are things that get worked through, sort of uncovered and sort of organized during discovery. And unfortunately, there's um, it's ripe for you know difficult cases where people to hide money. Uh, someone's mother's holding on to their all their money throughout the marriage or been been giving them assets or gifts, so to speak. It becomes more complicated and can lead to you know potentially protracted litigation if you have some of those issues. Uh, where money has gone missing or there's been some shenanigans or potentially even money being hidden within companies. Um, so maybe under retained earnings, deferred compensations, um, international holding companies, sort of layered circumstances that require an attorney and potentially even a forensic accountant to kind of help you unravel. Not just what your distribution or your equal distribution may be from that particular company, but also what income might be available for purposes of alimony and child support that are sort of hidden under layers as I like to call them. So that's kind of the discovery. Also, this is where if you have child time sharing issues or parental responsibility issues, you also uh, conduct sort of evidence gathering 
is what we call with discovery, about the fitness of each parent, so to speak, to be able to take care of the children, whether it's on a 50-50 basis, uh, or whether you wanna suggest that the other party has less time with the children due to job constraints, or their inability maybe to really help do the children's responsibilities, such as take them to extracurriculars and doctor's appointments. So this is a time also when some of that investigation might be done. And the same thing with alimony. Alimony during this time is basically sort of discovery becomes a function of the elements of what you have to prove in order to get alimony if, if you are a potential uh, candidate for alimony or your, your spouses. So alimony is basically a function of need and ability. So a uh, need is does the other spouse have a need for income or a supplement of income in order to be able to maintain a similar lifestyle as that spouse had during the marriage or as the, as the parties had during the marriage. So, and then the other aspect, and that's figuring out what that is. How much is it that they need to have to be able to live in the similar sort of lifestyle I did during the marriage? And, you know, this, unfortunately, it's also an area that can be litigated. Uh, you know, at one point, someone thinks that they used to live in a mansion and had five maids, and of course, their alimony needs are fairly high. Or you can have the circumstances when the other spouse thinks that the other, that the spouse's needs are basically, you know, tantamount to, you know, if you have food and water, that's all that you need uh, in order to maintain the lifestyle of the marriage, which of course is not often the case. So the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle, but this is a time in which you gather evidence in order to, you know, uh, meet your burden as to what the needs may be, and of course the other side is gonna argue against them. So this is the time that you might gather evidence related to alimony. You also may want experts also, forensics, that might help you assist in what they call a lifestyle analysis. The other half of alimony is also ability. So you have to show that the other party still has the ability to pay the alimony even if you are entitled to or have a need. Once again, discovery about income, you know, evidence gathering, does the, you know, often unfortunately we call it divorce poverty. The one, of the, one or both of the parties all of a sudden become uh, sort of poor <laughs> or starting to make a significant amount less money uh, right, you know, right before the divorce or during the divorce in order to try to avoid or reduce their alimony and child support obligations. This is a lot of the stuff that you're going to go through in discovery. And for the most part, you know, this is sort of, that's the evidence gathering stage. And throughout this entire time, just to kind of go back to the human side, the personal side, it's usually a very difficult time. You're asked very difficult questions. You're asked to go gather documents from years previous. Um, unfortunately, it's also ripe for harassment in some respects, just asking for things that might be, you know, way to the left and way to the right. It's very important that you have a support you know, network, you have people to lean on to help you with the children, and that you breathe, you remain calm, and just try to think about really objectively as, as much as you can. This is just part of the process, this is what's going on, stop and think about sort of the big picture items. And just remember it will pass, as difficult as it may seem, everything passes in life. Um, so most of the time at this, you know, it's starting to get expensive into cases. Hopefully you know, the attorneys have had discussions about potentially cutting through some of the red tape, looking at big picture items and considering potentially settling. And especially now that you might have more information in order to be able to make that determination and whether or not you settle or does this make sense really to take this to court. So hopefully you're also leaning yourself into potentially going to mediation. Okay. If you go into mediation, that's, you know, most of the time, 90% of the cases settle in mediation. But it's important to go into mediation with enough information to actually settle the case. If you go into mediation without having at least a reasonable amount of the discovery done where you feel confident that you have a handle on your assets, the children's issues, alimony, income, you really might just be doing it prematurely and setting yourself up potentially either for a bad 
agreement or not being able to settle and losing the opportunity in which order to do so. Usually after mediation also comes trial. Trial is usually set or it's around the corner. Trial can become extremely expensive when you have to start establishing trial exhibits, uh, witnesses, depositions, uh, paying for de- deposition transcripts. It can become, it's actually a very, uh, very costly process. That's probably most of the reason why a lot of the cases do settle in mediation also. And to take a to take a moment also to go back. So mediation also is helpful if you understand that no one they say a good bargain is no one is completely happy. So you have to understand what your best day in court and your worst day in court potentially is, and try to put your feet down on the ground and try to make a you know find a reasonable balance in between. It's not a happy place to be in litigation. It's a very difficult from a psychological, financial point of view, and emotional. And throughout all this conversation that we're having, the difficulties that we're talking about and evidence gathering and, you know, papers and what does the petition say and someone said this about me when it's not true, how can they say that about me? And you're going through all these allegations and these difficulties. Remember your children, depending on their age, they're sitting there going through this with you, even if you try to hide it. They can always feel it. They see the difference. Of course, they feel the difference. The family unit is not the same. So you want to consider also... You know, making sure the children are not around when you have these conversations or conversations with adults, making sure they're not being used as messengers. If they need to, they should be sent to family therapists so they can be able to talk about their feelings with a neutral third party so they don't feel worried about hurting one of the parents' sort of feelings, so to speak, depending on what's going on. And keep an eye on their emotional, psychological needs as well. So throughout this process, it's something that you want to keep in mind. And if your other party is also involving the children, you need to consider whether or not you need to take immediate action to sort of eliminate the, the interference with, one, with, with, your, with your rights or potentially the harm that's occurring to the children. So something else to keep in the back of your mind. So here we are, I've just briefly just gone through, you know, I'll have additional podcasts that kind of take apart each different stage and sort of different elements within each stage. But today I'm coming to the end here and sort of we're talking about trial. Trial is at the end of the day, you are leaving your lives in the hands of a judge to make a decision as to what is the best thing for you and your children. Um, The judges will do their best as they always do, but judges will tell you themselves, you guys know what's better for you and your children than I necessarily would. Um, If I have to, I'll make a decision. I'll listen to all the evidence, how it's presented, and hopefully I will make the best decision for you. But ultimately, the best thing would be is if the parties can come to a resolution themselves and talk about it and find the right balance for their family, whether it's from an economical point of view, but also from a custody and time sharing and parental responsibility point of view. Remember, at the end of the day, this is only part of your life. You will go on to have a post-divorce life. So you don't, you know, what you do now and all the difficulties you occur is going to limit potentially your post-divorce life and add or subtract. If it's done reasonably, you'll subtract your headaches from the post-divorce life. If, you know, if it's been very contentious and difficult, it's going to add to difficulties that you carry on to the post-divorce life. So any judge will tell you the best thing to do is if you guys can make a decision on your own and come to an agreement, it's always better. If not, the judge will have to make a decision based on the evidence, what they think is best for you and your family, whether it is or is not. So it's something to consider. Uh, trial is you're sitting like you see on TV. You're sitting in the stand. <laughs> you know you're testifying. You're having to bring friends. Uh, most of the time, children will not be brought into a court or brought as a witness. If you have a type of case that requires the children to be involved, or the children are being 
you know, severely sort of put in harm's way, whether it's psychological or emotional or physical, a guardian will be appointed. And the guardian potentially will be there as well, along with other experts. But it's not like a TV in the sense that, well, Johnny said that you said you're having an affair with somebody. That doesn't work that way. That's hearsay. You have to bring in evidence. You have to, you have to authenticate documentation. A lot of the stuff you think that's going to come in probably will not be heard or can be considered by a court. So these are all things you really need to understand. Um, and they're not easy to hear. A lot of my clients, when they hear me say this, they're just like, wait a minute, this isn't rational or logical. And it is, because if you understand, you know, in a lot of cases, I'll agree some things may not seem rational or logical, but they're based on rules of evidence and admissibility to make sure that what's being presented to the court is competent and not tainted, so to speak, in any way, so that we, um, it can't be Johnny said, Susie said at a court this one day, because we really don't know what Susie said unless Susie's in the courtroom to be able to testify. So it has to be based on within the you know evidence presented within the rules of evidence, which becomes starts to become very expensive and subpoenaing people and making sure they're present and so forth. And that can be really complicated in international cases, you know, where you have jurisdictions and and you know houses and children flying, traveling everywhere, and living in different spots during the marriage. So it's just something to consider. But hopefully, I've given you some idea of what to expect. You know, really from a legal technical point of view, and hopefully somewhat from a human point of view. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in again and for, for joining us. We're going to have our third uh, you know, episode coming up, uh, I think, in a week or two. We'll go ahead and announce it. And I just want to, I hope, you know, I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for joining us this week in our podcast. We should be, uh, please join us for our next podcast that'll be coming up soon, I think, in the next week or two. Uh, please make sure you follow us on our social media pages and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.